Hi hi, welcome welcome, this is Metapol with me, Cactus. You've probably heard by now that there was an attempted armed insurrection at the US Capitol. Mass election fraud conspiracy theorists stormed the building, resulting in four dead on the side of the protesters, and one on the side of Capitol Police. Longtime listeners of the podcast know that there is a strong belief that there is no room for violence whatsoever, and that this channel is among the strongest in doing everything we can in order to principally oppose conspiracy theories. So, I will not leave a 3 or 4 or 5 minute warning like many other channels do, because I believe that if you have followed this podcast, and if you are just starting out, then I strongly recommend you listen to those past episodes, then you would have, first of all, been prepared for such an outcome, and second of all, know the consequences that follow. I believe that my audience has the maturity to understand that, and to venture further now into what we should be doing. You might notice that even in my emergency message, I was not particularly distraught. Of course, this isn't to underestimate the severity of such an incident. The stakes could have been much, much higher. There could have been killings of representatives, of senators, of even possibly the vice president. But once again, I've warned you this entire time that we are playing with the full stack. It's very easy to enter a scenario from here on where you have no holds barred conflict and that this attempted insurrection is only the beginning. So while I understand that this may only be the beginning of the consequences, I've also understood this from the onset of this podcast and from the development, especially if you look at the principles of analysis that we used during episode 7, Lebanon's sectarian nightmare is a warning for the West, as well as episode 9, the United Stakes of Conspiracy. Both of these almost explicitly lay out this as one of the possible failure modes. In episode 7, we talked about how a fully corrupt government playing off of the sectarian, or in the United States case, political divides, would enable corruption to a degree of complete dysfunction, in which even the most simple tasks, such as securing a government building, would prove to be a challenge. In episode 9, The United Stakes of Conspiracy, we talked about the mainstreaming of conspiracy theories, and how this would lead to active violence and eschewing of basic democratic systems. I also talk about a lot more, including some of the origin stories, some of the psychological effects, and some of the mathematical models that you actually need in order to understand this further spread. In fact, I think many will find that the podcast is a treasure trove for explaining this situation. And actually, I was a little bit stuck in understanding where I should go with this week's episode, considering that I've already laid out many of the fundamentals involved in responding to such an attack. Moreover, the facts on the ground are yet unsettled, 
there's still going to be much more reporting on how this event was organized and of the various government failures. There's also going to be more developments in the area of political spin, although what we see at the moment also looks to be something incredibly dangerous that I've already predicted. In episode 12, Election Scramble, Conspiracy Gap, and the Culturification of Reality, I drew upon the same ideas as episode 7 in order to talk about how different political interests would play off opposing sides, would exploit the falsehoods that one side is presenting in order to justify their own conspiracies, their own disinformation. This includes the lead-up to the storming of the Capitol, in which the media malfeasance and cover-up of very real corruption was used as justification that they were probably lying about election fraud as well. The problem once again here, of course, is that in order to actually change that many ballots, hundreds of thousands of them, over four or five states, in hundreds of counties, there would be a conjunctive effect in which each vote changed would further increase the probability of being discovered. And that on such a large scale, this would be simply unfeasible. You can get more on that explanation on episode 12. Moreover, you see this now in the ensuing American media coverage, alleging that the police failure was not due to incompetence, but instead due to racism. Of course, this is a classical element of the mass racism conspiracy, in which allegations of racism are opposed without any sort of substantial evidence. If you have followed factually the reactions to the violence to the summer protests, as well as the reaction to the attack on the Capitol building, then you would note several things that immediately disprove this. First, that the reaction was much more severe and much more willing to use violence in the case of the Capitol attack, which is perfectly understandable considering that it is one of the most honored buildings in the US political system. However, the idea that a more light-handed approach was used to this latter protest or this latter insurrection is simply false. Moreover, the unpreparedness was, according to reporting by both sources on the left and the right, a factor of the ignorance of both Democratic and Republican elected officials, including the DC mayor, as well as various White House staff. Moreover, there's no attempt whatsoever for any of these commentators on mainstream channels reaching tens of millions of Americans to actually justify their position using any sort of evidence, as I just did. This is due to an already widespread belief in many parts of the American population of this mass racism conspiracy. Once again, alleging that a certain trait or a certain action over a large amount of people gets increasingly unlikely as the number of people grows. And if we're looking at the scale of failure that is necessary for the government to be not sufficiently defended, then it reaches much farther than just one individual. It reaches dozens, if not hundreds, 
of staff that are distributed through elected systems. And so the allegation that all of them were motivated by racism in order to not actually notice this complete governmental failure, and remember this is politicians on both the left and the right, for that to be the case, you'd have to take a probability and you'd have to raise it to the power of hundreds, which, as we talked about before, is mathematically impossible. It's less likely than picking a random atom out of all of the atoms in the universe. Finally, I'm going to talk about what we can do individually for the future. Of course, I've mainly been focused on protecting my audience, historically. The main thing I've focused on is giving the mathematical, scientific, psychological, economic, and political tools in order to understand how conspiracy theories spread, how disinformation spreads, and to be able to identify it and protect yourself from it. There are several things that I do not cover on the show, or cover very sparsely on the show. One of them is economic incentives and government regulation. This is both because this is a problem that I have very little control over with regards to actually influencing a large enough group of people to elect officials to pass a government policy, but also because this is something that may be very fraught and that may take a lot of time in order to get proper government action completed, even if there was a willingness to do so. So while this is likely something that has to be done on the long term, I don't think it's particularly useful to be advocating or discussing about it on the podcast at this time. Moreover, I don't often talk about the political complex and the ensuing internal culture war or internal debates in these political parties. This is because there is a high likelihood that these political parties are simply too far gone and too dominant by the conspiracy contingent. This is because if only 50%, probably less in most cases, of a primary electorate, of the most fervent support base for the Democratic Party or for the Republican Party, believes in a conspiracy theory, then they can wield control of the entire party. So, what can we do? I think that media corruption is absolutely something that we can make a significant inroad on. Media companies, while being affected by many of these same political and economic influences, and with some members of institutions still adhering to these conspiratorial beliefs, are still open for influence, are still open for each and every one of you to actually try to join to either publish your own independent news information, to share more information from sources that you believe to be beneficial, or to even participate in some of these institutions yourselves. Moreover, there's an ability to gain more awareness in people to get them to seek these alternative sources, or to get them to seek these foreign sources that have a much higher credibility and have a much higher actual journalistic process in which they lay out all the evidence in front of you than these typical sources that believe in conspiracy theories or that are politically influenced by the parties. So that's the first thing you can do. 
share information, whether it's your own ideas, your own investigative reporting, or whether it's finding alternative or foreign sources that actually provide a higher standard, like this one for example. The second area of investigation that I think is incredibly useful for my audience to look at is network effects and community organizing. One of the things I talked about in episode 13 with regards to implicit cults is that there's an extremely strong effect in terms of making personal connections and if one person believes in a conspiracy theory and they have a strong personal connection to another, there is an effect of actually spreading that conspiratorial belief. However, the same thing is true and to an even higher degree with regards to actual evidence-based information. So this is something that each of you can do. Everyone has their own strong personal connections and they can do this in either preventing people as I try to do on this podcast, by giving them good information, by giving them the mathematical tools to actually look at how news spreads, by giving them a better understanding of the political influences around them, and then preventing them from actually believing these conspiracy theories in the future, or even by reaching out by those who may already be affected by it, and trying to leverage that personal connection in order to get them to disconnect emotionally from their conspiratorial beliefs, and instead focus on the facts like we hope to do when listening to this podcast. The community organizing aspect to this is the same thing, but taken to a slightly broader scale, in which you try to form clubs or organizations in your local area that can really be about anything. It can be a sports club, although that may be difficult in the current time. It might be a board game club, which can be played online, or any other sort of social interaction in which you build those bonds and you can approach in order to try to give those community members a stronger chance at being able to debunk conspiracy theories. Those are the most immediate, the most actionable things that I think I can ask you all to do on this podcast that I think you have the power to leverage and to make a significant difference. That isn't to say that you will immediately just overturn the wave of conspiratorial belief in the United States and in other countries. No, that's ridiculous. There's a much bigger file to be done in order for that to be anything close to accomplished. Instead, think of this as possibly preventing someone you know, someone who you might even love, from adopting some of these conspiratorial beliefs. I think that is completely worth it and a huge accomplishment on its own right to prevent just one case of this pseudo-illness. Multiply that over the audience of this podcast and you already have a lot of good being done. And multiply that over the possibility that the person you helped to prevent believing in conspiracy theories is not only then not spreading conspiracy theories to all of their contacts, but possibly also helping to prevent conspiracy belief in those people, and then you see a use of the network effect to actually preventing the very thing that network effects may cause if left unchecked. So, as always, from start to the present, and I hope for a long time in the future, I'm not tying any sort of financial motivation to this podcast, I am just doing this out of the good of my heart. 
And I beg you, just please share the podcast, share any information that you come across outside of the podcast that would help in debunking these conspiracy theories, in actually promoting a facts-based approach to politics, to information, and to everything else, and to be willing to engage in these difficult questions, to be willing to engage in conversations with those you love who may be going through a difficult time and may have resorted to conspiracy theories or something of the like. All of these things are in your power, just as it was in my power to start and share this podcast. We all have something we can do, small or large, to prevent something like the storming of the Capitol from happening again. And if you do that, then thank you. And one other note. This podcast is a bit shorter than normal, because there are so many moving parts of this news story that haven't been nailed to the ground. There's so much changing about the political landscape, but at the same time, there's so much that's familiar, there's so much to review. So, it might be a good time to listen again, or maybe even for the first time, to the best hits of the Metapolitics podcast. Episode 7, Lebanon Sectarian Nightmare is a Warning for the West. Episode 8, Corruption is Greater Than the States. Episode 9, The United Stakes of Conspiracy. As well as Episode 12, Election Scramble, Conspiracy Gap, and the Culturification of Reality. Or Episode 13, The Link Between Culture, Truth Erosion, and Implicit Cults. I think all of these ideas are valuable in actually understanding the madness that is going on. And I'm not just doing this for the promotion of my podcast. As I talked about before, I'm not making money off of this, and I don't plan to. I just want to leave the people who I'm talking to a little bit better off than they were before.